Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello everyone and welcome along to the Liverpool Echoes post-game podcast with me, your host Patrick Smith, after Darwin Nunes' stunning brace snatched all three points for Liverpool against Newcastle. A gutsy victory not to be underestimated, the 10 men of Liverpool have truly made a statement with this win after Virgil van Dijk was sent off for a clear denial of a goal-scoring opportunity against Alexander Izak, a decision which has sparked debate that will roar on into the week. There's plenty to react to though tonight, so let's get straight into it. With the Liverpool Echoes' Paul Ghost followed by Jürgen Klotz press conference and plenty of LFC fan reaction. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Substitute Darwin Nunes for his 10-man Liverpool's hero as the Reds beat Newcastle United 2-1 in a game full of drama at St James's Park this afternoon. Uh, Virgil van Dijk in just his third game as uh, official full-time Liverpool captain was dismissed uh, before the half-hour mark of a foul on Alexander Izak, the uh, Dutch captain was just to have been the last man by referee John Brooks and was promptly sent off. Uh, shortly before that, there was also a uh, controversy involving Sam Alexander-Arnold. He was booked for uh, kicking the ball away in, in protest and not getting a foul um, against Anthony Gordon. And uh, he exacted his revenge moments later. He was given a talking to by referee John Brooks um, and perhaps it was fortunate to stay on the pitch. But uh, if he was fortunate to stay on the pitch, perhaps Van Dijk was unfortunate to be dismissed, the uh, Liverpool number four and skipper was not happy whatsoever with the decision from John Brooks and he will now sit out next week's visit from Aston Villa um, and with Liverpool down to 10 men in a, a white heart atmosphere away at uh, Champions League side Newcastle United it uh, felt like it was going to be a very long day for the 10 man of Liverpool and to be fair it was they were made to dig in work very hard and uh, essentially just stay in the game for as long as they could to see if they could potentially nick an equaliser and uh, Liverpool got into the break uh, 1-0 down uh, and it was down to a couple of substitutions in all honesty that changed the game Darwin Nunes will of course um, garner the headlines for that one he came on um, and scored in the 81st minute I believe and then in stop time to steal it for the Reds but uh, before then Diogo Jotson and Harvey Elliott also came on and Jotson in particular was something of a catalyst helping Liverpool get up the pitch helping keep the ball a little bit better in the final third and slowly but surely the 10-man started to turn the screw. It was a wonderful finish from Nunes to uh, flash it across Nick Pope to make it 1-1. And at the time, it looked like Liverpool had maybe got out of jail with a late point. But they kept going and uh, eventually stole it with uh, another late winner. Similar type of finish for Nunes, who looks to be a player who's a little bit cooler in front of goal than what we've seen in uh, his first year at Anfield. And that's perhaps to be expected. He's looked sharp in pre-season and uh, when given his chance this afternoon, he took it with a plum. Uh, Jan Klopp um, was coy when asked if um, Nunes had played himself into the team for next week's visit from Aston Villa. But um, you'd have to say on this evidence, Jan Klopp has five front men who were capable of uh, hauling them over the line in, in any given game this season. All honesty, there's still work to be done in the midfield for me and certainly at the back. Um, 
Did he bring a Canate injured? Virgil van Dijk suspended. It looks like Joe Gomez is going to be partnering Joel Matip for that game. Uh, I asked Jürgen Klopp after the game if Matip's substitution later on for Jarrell Kwanzaa, who made his Premier League debut here, if that was down to an injury. He said that it was just down to fatigue more than anything and the fact that Matip hasn't played a whole lot of football, certainly 90 minutes in recent months. Um, so we should be fine for Aston Villa, but already with Liverpool naming the second choice defensive partnership, if you like, in Gomez and Matip. Perhaps more is needed on that score before next week's transfer deadline, but uh, perhaps it does a disservice to the players out there who got the win today to be talking too much about transfers today. There is work to be done, the midfielder for me and certainly as centre-back, uh, particularly given the fact that uh, Liverpool had a British record fee for Moises Caicedo uh, less than, well, just over two weeks ago now, four through over £111 million. They've only added Wataru Endo for that um, since then at a cost of £16 million. so there is funds there we know of um, so we'll see what happens on that score uh, just a word on Endo we started his first Liverpool start today since joining from Stuttgart last week uh, wasn't a vintage performance for him he will have better days he will have um, less busier days that's for sure but um, difficult one for him in a new midfield alongside uh, Zabozlai and McAllister who I thought was also quiet but uh, you know, it uh, seems um, a little bit unfair to dwell on uh, the negative aspects of today. Liverpool show the men's character to um, get the win, fight back and uh, get a huge win against the team who finished above them last season. This is the only venue that they won at last season against last season's top six. And um, they've put down a little bit of a marker here again. So it's now seven points from uh, nine available. That includes away games against Chelsea and uh, Newcastle. So you have to say it's a... It's an excellent start for Liverpool in all honesty and they now welcome Aston Villa to Anfield next week ahead of the international break. It's finished here. Ten-man Liverpool have stolen it. They've won 2 on against Newcastle in a game that I'm sure plenty of Reds fans will be watching back with much delight on match of the day uh, on Sunday and for the rest of the week on the uh, maybe the Sky Planner. So, uh, finished here at St James Park. Newcastle 1, Liverpool 2. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, for today, absolutely everything. I think in my more than thousand games I coached or managed, whatever you want to say, I never had a game like this. That's the truth. Not that we never turned games, we did that, but uh, with 10 men in an atmosphere like this against an opponent like this. Oh, no, I, I don't. Not only that, I can't remember, I'm pretty sure it never happened. Because these moments are rare and super special. And um, But I thought the boys deserved it today. Uh, because with 10 men, we played better and gave Newcastle a proper game. Before that, it was a bit wild with opposite advantages for Newcastle with the 1-0. We didn't play calm enough. We, were, we fell under pressure where we had, wouldn't have to. Uh, in half time, we showed the boys one situation. There was an offensive situation where Trent passed the ball behind the line to Cody Gakpo, where he comes from the left wing into the right, from the right wing, where we can just get into their box and and having finishing situations. Two things were clear in half time. We cannot concede a second. Oh, three things have to be clear. Trent cannot get another yellow card. We cannot concede a second. Um, and if that happens, then we have a chance to, and that's what the boys obviously, yeah, they were ready to work super hard and in the other moments they had um, 
we I think before Darwin scored, we had already chances like the 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 the, 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 the what I remember now is the, the, the Diogo pass to Mo, which is unfortunately. But maybe at our moment, so and that's important. That that's important. And you, we, I think we were a year ago. We were in a similar situation. We were tuned up and then red card. And from that moment on, we didn't play football anymore. <laughs> so it's obviously difficult. That's it's not that easy. And I can imagine how how Eddie and, and Newcastle is feeling now. But these things happen. But usually when anyway. But that didn't happen today because my boys kept believing, and I'm I'm really happy with that. Jurgen, obviously, it would be Nunes against all the headlines, but the game seemed to turn when Elliot and Jota came on. That's when he seemed to take the ascendancy. Oh, the other boys just worked extremely hard, so that's uh, that, that, that's super intense for so long, and then we we we, we thought we make the changes early um, to do that, and um, and that's why. Yeah, it's like that. Joko is a top player. He was ill two days ago, so he might have started or not. Who knows? But there's a top player coming on, and Harvey throws his heart on the pitch uh, to help this team. So then, in his, from after next change, he played even a double six when we brought when we brought Darwin. Um, a position in a game like this, he didn't play often. We are I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. You're right. Darwin gets the headlines, rightly so, because he, whatever we did before, if he doesn't, if he's not doing that, we're sitting here playing a good game, losing one nil, and um, going home with nil points. It's a completely different feeling. That's how it looked, actually. I think pretty long. The Newcastle didn't get through really, and uh, but we we had, I think this, I think it was the Diogo Mo situation. But I think everybody in the stadium then thought, oops, we have to be careful there as well. Until then, it was just possession and we had our little moments. Um, so, super special for us today, super special. Has Nunez done enough to start the next game? I never made the decision about the lineup a week before the game. We will see. But you can have worse arguments, I would say. James? Yeah, what did you say to Darwin when he came on? And what do you think that, that match-winning contribution could do for him going forward? Definitely, but 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 I said to Darwin has no influence on on what on his performance. So it's a, I mean, because uh, but um, um, Pat Linus uh, can speak to him, and that's what he did. And uh, I just give him a hug and, and and encourage him to go out there and fight for the team. So that's it. But there's nothing else. Darwin was like we had that before. He is not happy for not starting. So that's how it is. But somebody in this early stages of the season, somebody cannot start. You cannot have 11 players and play them all the time. So. We need to find stability. Is the discussions just start too early? I don't know if the, the, the public discusses it, but of course, players are not happy. Well, after the national break, we play every three days. Nobody can play all the games, so we have to make sure that we have different options to to go for, and we have to, to we need to create a new way to play football. And of course, Darwin can be a super part of that. If he his uh, his. Key strengths are, are exceptional, absolutely, but we need to find stability as well. So for him, everything will be fine. Um, it's just maybe it had to be like this. If he wouldn't have been that angry and start the game today, he can, wouldn't score in the last in, in, in the last six minutes or whatever. So let's take it like that. You, you, can you describe your emotion, what you felt when that second goal went in? No, nowadays I don't celebrate these goals too much anymore because I, I was not sure if there's penalty. Ah, no, sorry. Uh, offside, oh yeah, again. Um, offside or whatever. So I, I, I was pretty sure it was no offside, but 
anyhow, so um, then a minute or so later, when I think the art check was over, the boys heard it on the on the touchline so behind me, and they were then really celebrating. And, uh, and then I felt massive relief. How sad! Half time, we, 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 the way we played after the red card gave us the feeling we can do something here if we don't concede. Stay calm, play, defend with passion, play with an idea. We have a chance to get a point here. And I have a point, obviously, and we're going to score the winner as well, what the boys did. Can you describe the spirit that you've got on this team? Sorry. Can you describe the spirit that you've got? No, I don't know. We have to create a spirit. That's how it is. We are early. It's early in the season. It's the, 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 the atmosphere, the understanding of the boys is super. We are top camps. That's all great. But the spirit is something different. So it's what, what you make of it. And of course, do I like that we have two games with 10 men? No. Probably Ibu Konate's injuries because we had 10 men against Bournemouth. That's the truth. So because it was too intense. It's not a massive injury, but it's a little bit. And we, I will see what we had today. So 70 minutes in the Premier League. Did you hear a lot that that leads to a turnaround in the game. I can't remember it. So, but big stories need key moments, and we will see. We will see what it is. I cannot sit here and think, okay, that's it now, and now we know how it goes. No, we are fresh. We have new key players in the team, and we have to create key moments. And this today was definitely a key moment, and that's why I'm pretty happy. As an observation, just as an ob not sending off. You wanted him. Yeah, you wanted him to get a sending off. Yeah, no. No, I, I, okay. That, that's observation. It's a foul on Trent Alexander-Arnold, which is not given. A clear in front of the Porter Field. Porter Field says to me, "Yes, it's a foul." Rep doesn't give it, and then Trent kicks the ball away. His fault, bam, yellow. Next situation is the, is, is, is the, is the, is the thing, if you want a yellow, a second yellow, if he gives it, he gives it. I, but I didn't think it is. Uh, it's, you have need to have this little space to keep a game going. Like, um, you take him off, and take the, the, the half off, and then watch the curiosity of a football game. I, I'm not sure that um, how it should be. I, I don't think it's a red card. I don't think it's it's it is pretty much pretty much no contact, very little, and it's on the way to the ball. But what can I say? It's not the decision is like this, and I cannot change it, and I don't want it. It's just um, would I visit the training game? Definitely not. But um, there are reasons why I'm not a ref, and they are. No, no. He looked. The, the, the big man looked a bit um, tired. Let me say like this. Long ago that the boys played. Now it's um, full 90 minutes. These kind of things. Joey played obviously 70. Um, and we have Kwanzaa. That's great. He's a real talent. He, he's played two really good passes. Super important passes, I would say. Defensively, then we, we needed luck a little bit. We were a bit too deep, a bit too passive, so they could shoot, but we had Ali. Um, yeah, there were obviously, besides the results, a few nice stories, and um, bringing Kwanza on is, is one of them. Thank you, okay. Thank you very much. See you. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
an unbelievable result for Liverpool. One of the best from Klopp's tenure. There's absolutely no doubt about that. From all the achievements the managers had, I think for Liverpool to come away from a game in which they spent the vast majority with 10 men away from home against such an opponent as Newcastle United, who for me, alongside Manchester City, were the best coach team in the Premier League last season. I felt that what Eddie Howard done, both on and off the ball, in the way that Newcastle was set up, was absolutely brilliant last season. And... Everything that Newcastle were last season, Liverpool weren't disorganised in and out of possession. And I did fear coming into today's game, really, because I felt it was almost sort of a crossroads of one team who are totally convinced and have real conviction in what they're doing in every element of the game. And another team who have still looked like they are trying to find the best way to go forward in terms of building up from the back, in terms of progressing the ball from midfield, in terms of how they're going to pressure the ball without it. And I was, I was concerned coming into today's fixture. And I was even more concerned, obviously, when after a, a start in which it was a pretty even game at the start, Newcastle had marginal control, Liverpool, again, having problems building up from the back under organised pressure, of which Newcastle's have been some of the best over the last year and a half, or especially over the last year. But ultimately, the game was was being played out in a, in a way in which it was competitive from both sides. And then we had a couple of incidents within the game. I think the first one with Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, how the referee doesn't give a, a free kick from Anthony Gordon's push on Alexander-Arnold is, is, is beyond me, really, especially when I look at the replay. However, the players are all aware of the guidelines and Alexander-Arnold are aware of, it, aware of them more than anyone, any other player in the Premier League. And to throw the ball away, you know what's coming after that and it's a, a piece of ill-discipline. Even though it was a poor decision from the referee, you simply can't react like that with the current guidelines. And so he ends up on a yellow card. Now after that, another really poor decision from Alexander-Arnold because for me, he should be off the field at that point. I mean, that is a Stonewall second yellow card. Anthony Gordon's pushed the ball past Alexander-Arnold, who's impeded him. And Liverpool were very fortunate to get away from that, that situation in the end. Really poor decision. Alexander-Arnold just has to let him go at that moment once he's on a yellow card. And you did fear for the situation. Liverpool don't want to then take Alexander-Arnold off because he's the most creative player. You don't want him on the pitch as, as much as you possibly can. His percentage record of when he's in the team for Liverpool dictates that. However, on the other side, you're thinking to yourself, there's going to be scenarios in the game where he could be forced into 1v1 moments. And Klopp obviously took a calculated gamble to, to keep him on the field. But then worse was to come with Virgil van Dijk suffering a red card. At first, it looked like van Dijk had uh, won the ball. However, when you see the replay, again, in the, in the modern guidelines of football, although van Dijk's obviously come away with the ball, he's come through the opponent in order to be able to achieve that and as soon as the referee made that decision, there was no doubt it wasn't going to be overturned. I mean, I think in, in normal time, if the referee doesn't give it, I think Liverpool have got a chance of getting away with that. However, once the decision's been made, you knew what the outcome was going to be. And, you know, there's a lot of conjecture around, well, is it a goal-scoring opportunity? It is a goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, this idea, I've seen Jamie Carragher on the, on the TV talking about, well, we don't know if it was a goal-scoring opportunity because we didn't get it, allow it to play out. Well, that's the nature of these kind of incidents. A lot of the time they don't play out because of the interference of the defender. And you have to believe that with the trajectory of the ball, the weight on the ball, that Isak was going to get be into, into a situation where he was in on the goalkeeper or at least be able to 
extract a shot at goal. So, so Liverpool were in all kinds of problems and were only saved from going in a half time, just one nil down by the goalkeeper again. I mean, what a piece of goalkeeping from Allison that was to tip the ball onto the crossbar and then react to the second one. I think you know people. I I, I couldn't believe the commentary on it in terms of not no fuss being made of it. Yeah, it's in close proximity to his body, but the actual power and venom on the strike and his, his strong wrist to be able to turn it that way and then respond to the rebound, it just illustrated again, as did his performance all through the game and the assurance that he gave Liverpool. There was even a shot at the end from, I think it was Longstaff, and just the way he's able to shovel the ball, his body position just perfect. Other keepers, it bounces off, and Liverpool are in a, in a spot above it in terms of a rebound, but everything he does is absolutely world-class. And I've spoken before, I think we're looking at the best goalkeeper to ever play in the Premier League. And that is not me having my Liverpool cap on. It's a, it's a combination of evidence now on this particular player. And Liverpool were indebted to him again today. I think he faced the most shots he's ever faced in the Premier League in one particular game, which I suppose is to be expected. And then fast forward to the second half and all of a sudden Liverpool started to almost withstand the storm of, of Newcastle and come into a bit of a situation where they ended up getting a little bit of possession a little bit higher. I felt Harvey Elliott aided that by his retention of the ball because some of Liverpool's retention of the ball was unbelievably poor. I mean, that performance from Andy Robertson, I mean, listen, I know there's, everyone will be on a high after the result, but there's got to be serious questions asked about that performance. I've never seen, in, in terms of the use of the football, he might as well have been playing for Newcastle United after the game. But anyway, back onto the positive things. Liverpool did start to get a little bit higher on the pitch, be able to retain possession and get into a few areas which could have resulted in an opportunity. And obviously they sent on Darwin Nunes, who, two fantastic finishes. I mean, it's all right looking at it and thinking to yourself that he's in that right-hand side of the penalty area on his favoured foot. They're unbelievable finishes then. Real cool, real conviction. And this is a player who, he is a volume attacker, Darwin Nunes. He's the kind of player who Liverpool have to persevere with this player. They absolutely have to because he amasses so many decisive chances within the confines of the 18-yard box in the final third that Liverpool have to find a way to try and get the best out of this player and get him on the field and get an organised unit behind him which can just source him the ball and almost say to Nunes, keep away from the game. We don't want you to drop short. We don't want you to get involved in any of the link-up play. We want you to play on the shoulder of the last man in between the two centre-halves and look to cause real concern in terms of making them runs in and amongst that 18-yard box. And if you do that, the numbers suggest that this player is going to amass more and more chances. I mean, don't forget, he is amassing these chances. And I believe that He's the player in terms of 90 minutes who has got the most shots per game within the Premier League and I think quite close to being top of the European leagues as well. And when you consider how poor Liverpool were last season and how bored they've been and how disorganised they've been both in and out of possession, for them to be amassing that kind of volume in them kind of circumstances in his first season at the club, that tells me that if Liverpool can organise themselves and get to a situation in which they get to, again, being one of the most organised teams, but with and without the ball in the Premier League, one of the most organised in terms of building the game from the back, playing through midfield, and then final third entries, then you have to believe 
that he is just going to be an absolute hoover in that final third. And the one thing we know, the numbers can be a bit distorted with Nunes because as much as he was so low in terms of the chance percentage that he actually took last season for the amount that he amassed, if you look at Benfica, I think he was the season before last, I think he was top in Europe in terms of the actual percentages that he, he actually executed and the goals he scored per chance. So it shows there's a great deal of variance there. But the more confidence you give him, the more belief that he gets. And also, I massively believe that the system that Liverpool are currently occupying would favour him because when you think that in a normal 4-3-3 in Liverpool's default formation, you're going to see a player like Darwin Nunes dropping in, linking the play like Firmino used to. That is not what you want him doing. In fact, he's incapable of performing that role. So by playing a... Uh, a system that Liverpool have, uh, have been using of late in possession of a 3-4-3 what that allows you to get is two central midfield players higher central midfield players and then two 10 positions to be able to drop in into the areas that the old nine and a half in Firmino would have that means that space is taken and doesn't need to be a position where the centre forward has to lurk the centre forward can then play on the shoulder of the last man keep away from the ball safe in the knowledge that there's going to be enough creation and enough spaces filled in them at number 10 occupying roles to be able to allow Liverpool to transfer the ball from midfield into the attack. And that is why I believe that it's massively set up for them to thrive within the system. Now, today, after Alexander-Arnold's brush with a second yellow card, it was interesting actually because Liverpool actually started in a 3-4-3 shape. But then after that incident, went back to a 4-3-3 and then obviously after that, Liverpool are then into a default sort of 10-man system in which they're playing everyone behind the ball, basically, but Mohamed Salari plays as the highest player. So it's hard to judge a lot of how Liverpool have been in these early parts of the season in the fact that they've played away at Chelsea and they've played the vast majority of two games with 10 men, or at least a high, high percentage majority. But Liverpool have to persevere with the system and they have to get Darwin Nunes integrated into it in the long term because... He is going to be absolutely key. And if he was to go anywhere else, this is the kind of player who could blow up with the right service. And Liverpool needs to be the team to be able to extract that out of them. There's been a lot said about the, the system and people having doubts. For me, you have to persevere. Liverpool, I think it's they're averaging 2.4 points per game within the system. And Liverpool, and, and you know, a lot that's said about, well, what about the right-hand side that's vacated too often by Alexander-Arnold? I'll go into this in more detail on a different podcast. But Alexander-Arnold vacated that anyway by playing higher and having to defend in transition when he played on the right-hand side. So it's no different, just the angles potentially of where them cover and support players are. So yeah, absolutely magnificent result for Liverpool. One of the best of Klopp's tenure. And I'm really play, pleased for Darwin Nunes. And I really want to see Liverpool get to a point where they incorporate him and he can really thrive. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 2-1 win at Newcastle. And I did think I was going to give a, a few comments with a slightly different tone than the one I'm going to give. Um, it started off so badly again, didn't it? I and mean, we, we're just not starting games well. I certainly made that point last time. And it was it was there for all to see last season. It's a trend that we need to get rid of. It was It was a horrible first 25 minutes for Trent. The yellow card... Um, concerns that he'd get a second yellow, although that that wasn't justified on reflection, certainly. And then the goal uh, that he conceded, you know, a, a poor first touch, and um, the player was clean through. There's no way he was going to catch him, and we were down. Um, and then the game took another bad turn for us. VVD getting sent off. Um, there's going to be lots of discussion on this, but 
I think it was the right decision. In fact, I, I firmly believe it. He did ultimately get the ball, but in, in doing so, he took the player's legs away first with his follow-through. He got the ball. And he was um, it was a last-man challenge, so referee really had no alternative. And, and actually, I think you have to say, you know, the referee made a great on-field decision. Uh, it would have been one thing if he just left it to VAR to send him off, but to make that decision in the moment was a, a very brave one on the referee's part. And um, in what has been a bad week for referees um, and VAR, I think I think he's he's probably done himself and his uh, and his colleagues uh, a few favours there with that with that decision. It was the right decision in my view. Then we needed to adjust, didn't we? And it was such a shame. Uh, although I'm not saying it was incorrect, but it's such a shame to take Diaz off because he'd started to look so dangerous when he comes in from the inside. You know that ball was played out to him just a few moments earlier, and he had. He had space ahead of him, and he just ran at three players. It took three players to um, to, to focus on him, and um, he wasn't far away with his shot. So that was a, a double blow, really, that we'd gone down to ten men, lost our captain, or triple blow, I suppose, because then we also had to get rid of, um, rid of Diaz. I thought generally, though, the subs were good. Uh, I th- and, you know, I'll, I'll include in that that, we, <laughs> that Jürgen was brave enough to take... Joel Matip off. Um, that was not probably a substitution that he that he made easily. But I'd, Matip didn't play well. He gave the ball away noticeably at least a couple of times. Um, missed an interception. He was certainly the weak link in the chain at the back there. And I, I also thought once we started making subs, when we took Diaz off, I thought, well, if we're going to start changing the the front line because of what's happened in our back line, in other words, losing Virgil. I did think to myself, well, Nunez would provide a a somewhat muscular threat if we're only going to play two up front, which we did for much of the time after the sending off. I thought Nunez would be a good option. That went through my head, and I was a bit surprised that we didn't see him introduced uh, earlier than than when he actually did come on. Uh, But, you know, it turns out he did. And that was certainly, of course, the turning point as it as it turned out. But I, I do think also a, a sizable turning point was Botman getting injured and having to be withdrawn. He made a super challenge on Mo Salah, uh, and then another one slightly slightly later on. So I think that was a big loss for Newcastle. When Nunez came on, though, I've said before, I'm I I'm not entirely convinced by him. Uh, and I know people will be <laughs> laughing at that comment now, but you know his the very first touch he had, a ball came over the top, not an easy one to control by any means. But you'd expect Mo Salah to put a, a feather-like toe on it and bring the ball under control. Nunez couldn't manage that. The ball fell behind him after his touch, and and the the move broke down. Then he made a, a poor return ball. Um, I think he was looking for for Jota, was he? Um, and and that didn't work out. So his first two touches were unsuccessful. And you know, he, I, I'm critical of his decision making, and just small things go wrong for him. Even though he does cause chaos and cause panic, but then, my goodness me, the the first goal in particular was um, such a good finish. 
he didn't have a lot of daylight to look at when aiming for that far post. He then made a really good reverse pass to Diogo Jota and you know Jota could could well have scored from that and then he would have been you know hero enough to have scored the goal and got the assist uh, but Jota couldn't put it away but then to score <laughs> the second goal which wasn't too dissimilar from the first was it I mean I was on my feet jumping all over the house it was that was a sight to behold um Jürgen giving us the 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 triple punch at the end was was really nice to see. We haven't seen that with such gusto for quite a long time. Great celebrations on the field afterwards, and sometimes it's it's victories like that, often sparked by going down to ten men, that turn things around for teams in a season. And it's very early days, of course, but this is. This is a result that will only do us good in terms of morale and um, what's been a disappointing transfer window. Not yet over, of course. It could in some way be improved, but what's generally been a disappointing uh, transfer window up to now could be put behind us. I thought um, Endo played a solid game when when he was on the field. I think it was the right move to to take him off and put McAllister in that position because McAllister can play, of course, that number six role. We've seen him do it already for Liverpool, but he's more likely to get the ball forward and we were a goal down. We needed to put the ball forward. So I think that was a, a sensible decision. But but Endo looks a good player, doesn't he? And um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm now, I have renewed buoyancy <laughs> in my hopes for Liverpool's season. Fantastic. At Galasahi on Twitter. G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.